Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm just so grateful that you could be with me for today's conversation. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Brokenness is something that takes a whole lot of courage for us to dig back into the trauma of our stories and of the past. It's just so emotionally exhausting at times that we may not really feel like we've got the strength to do it. And doing this alongside of our kids is even harder. Joining me for today's conversation is Tony Collier. And Tony is here to talk with us about her journey through trauma and abuse, divorce, and single motherhood and to share with us her insights as to how we can find the strength to be brave enough to be broken. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with, but the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz. And you'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. Now, brokenness is not something that any of us wants to make our permanent address. It's not a place we want to stay. But what I'm grateful for in this conversation is how being bold enough and daring enough to believe that God would do something with it is actually the place where we find the strength to get through it. Here's my conversation with Tony Collier. Tony, I am so grateful to have you with me again. Welcome back, back to the podcast. We made it. I'm We're so glad here. to be back. So super excited. It's going to be great. Tony, I'm excited too. Last time you did give us a little of insight into your story, but yeah. you have a new book that's out. And I am so excited to have you, though, share a little more in depth into your story, especially, you know, when it comes to the fact that when we're dealing with brokenness and having to dig into our past, dig into some hard things, Mm -hmm. we may not feel like we always have the courage to do this, right? (laughs) That's right. That is right. Okay. Yes. And you know, you know, when it comes to doing this side by side with our kids, that's another added layer of difficulty. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to know, though, if you would just start us out talking a little bit about your story, catch us up, yeah. Yeah. Um, and talking a little bit about how it brought you, though, to this this idea of being brave enough to be broken. Yeah, I love that you started with that. So yeah, my new book's called Brave Enough to be Broken. And it's interesting because for some of us, for many of us, even you know, as a former single mom now with uh, in a new marriage and figuring out blended family, bonus dad, all the things, sometimes our decision to be brave enough to be broken, to heal from the things that really have damaged us isn't for us. Mm-hmm. I know for me, if we're just being honest, it was for my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think I had the bravery that it took to stand up and be whole and go down a healing journey for myself. 
if, if I'm being honest, I was too insecure. I didn't feel worthy. You know, I, I thought, oh, this is my story. It's broken. It is what it is. I've gone through divorce, this toxic marriage. I, I brought this on myself. Mm-hmm. I chose to marry, marry this person. And so I think the decision to be brave enough to be broken is for my daughter was and always has been. And over time, of course, like I've gotten the the grit and the courage and the confident humility to continue to heal for myself. But originally it was for my daughter. And even the yeah. book is made out and dedicated to my daughter because mm-hmm. I get the gosh, the, the question already got me a little bit. I'm kind of getting weepy <laughs> because it's her. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's wanting to stop generational cycles. It's wanting to create a legacy that goes beyond me, not just like a financial legacy, a influential legacy, but an emotional legacy, you mm-hmm. know, that's healthy. That's good. And so I'm excited that I got to write about how I got there. Um, not just about my story, but about how to actually practically do it, like steps to actually help women on their healing journey. And so I'm really excited about it. Mm, that's so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, you pointed to breaking those generational cycles. And I yeah. think there are some parts of that that are even more challenging because we can't always see them. You know, we're raised yeah. up in these things and we just carry them with us. And we may even see like, well, yep, yeah, this is playing out again. And this is maybe we become resigned to it and think like this is the way that yeah. things are for us mm-hmm. or that, you know, we've just made our bed and we have to lay in it now. Yeah. Where did this, you know, awareness even for your daughter, where did this start mm-hmm. to really start to stir? Well, I love so much what you said, because it is true that sometimes we don't know. Mm. And what's what's incredible is that, you know, as women, when we're inside our mother's wombs, we actually have all of the like eggs that we would ever have. Mm-hmm. Right. So like when I was inside of my mother, I, I had Dylan, my eight year old daughter now yeah. inside of me. Wow. And so when my mom was going through domestic abuse, mm-hmm. it was actually impacting me in neuropathways. And so it's interesting that we don't know sometimes, but mm-hmm. we can begin to do our research and look at our mother's stories and our grandmother's stories and start to at least become a little bit aware mm-hmm. of what we carry with us genetically. I would say one of the things that I've been doing my best to do um, is to do my research, understand what my mother has gone through, but also just to be honest about the things that I need to live a life on the offense and not the defense. You know, Mm -hmm. that's been like the big thing for me for these past five years. It's like, what does it look like for me to invest in myself mentally and spiritually and emotionally, not just physically, not just financially, not just socially, what kind of life can I live? And the things that I can do, but what can I actually invest in so that I can have my mental health together so that my emotions don't run me, but I run them and manage yeah. them. And so I would say it's just a big thing for us to just be aware of where we come from. And, and even when we're not, even when we're absolutely ignorant to it, to at least be pursuing the most whole version of ourselves. What does it look like for us to be incredibly patient with ourselves, mm. with our kiddos, with our new spouses? Um, what does it look like for us to be selfless, but also in the same breath for us to create, you know, replenishment cycles that keep us replenished so that when times come that are hard and stupid and ratchet and, <laughs> and that just absolutely sucks, yeah. um, we at least have some reserve built up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm all about margin. I think that's the biggest this, thing. That's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When it comes to the healing journey that you've got to build in emotional margin. And I think what happened to me in the past when I was like in that trauma mode was I was going 100, 110% 
of my time, like what I thought I was capable of, but leaving zero room for my Mm. emotional margin. And then when your kids are melting down, like, hello, there is no emotional margin left. It's sucked up. It's sucked dry like a desert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And these kids come into play. Okay. (gasps) And I think the courage sometimes of healing is being able to admit, I need more. I need Mm. more margin. I need more space, which means I actually Mm. do less. And that's hard, right? Even when you said that just now, it like made my pit sweat a little bit mm-hmm. because I don't want to do less. It like, I even, I, I'm serious. I literally got like exasperated in that moment. It's like the oxygen left the room to even think about mm-hmm. giving up something so that I can go further faster, mm-hmm. you know, in the end game. It's that delayed gratification. You know, my brain yeah. doesn't really think like that. Like, I'm like, I want to run. I want to go. I want to yeah. do everything and be all things to all men. And the truth is, I've been, I've seen burnout. Like I can talk about it. I have the authority for it because I've done it and Mm -hmm. I've been bad at it. Mm -hmm. I've seen burnout. And I love that you brought that up because it's like, how can we live a life with margin so that the bottom doesn't fall out? Right. Like, so Mm -hmm. that we have some reserves so that the bottom of our buckets are completely closed and we're storing up things. Um, And that's been such a big thing for me. It's like, how can I stay replenished? Because my counselor says this all the time because there's so much trauma and abuse and pain and despair in my past. It's mm. almost my like normal. Yeah. My base is despair. My base is struggle. My base is exasperation. And so how can I live a life that says, you know, suffering can, can be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to define your story. Yeah. You don't have to be suffering all the time to be doing mm. great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's funny is when the suffering doesn't even necessarily always look or feel like suffering. So I can relate to what you're saying as far as that, like hard charging, like running, running, running. And that was all motivated by an anxiety that was underneath. Right. So I'm suffering this anxiety and I'm actually making the thing spin worse because I'm just chasing it. Right. I'm like making myself busy and I'm pursuing and I'm achieving Mm -hmm. and I'm doing and all that kind of stuff. And where the it it finally hit bottom for me though was actually during lockdowns when all that was gone and it was like I went I mean it was me and my kids in my house (laughs) and I was like there's nowhere to spend all of this anxious energy right Mm, that's so good and so it was it was extremely I mean it was it was the closest to a breakdown that I probably ever had but by the grace of God it was how I started to recognize though that this anxiety that I had normalized my entire life was not what God wanted for me. It was not what Mm. he had in terms of flourishing, but for us to get there, we've got like, God was building in the margin for me at that period of time, like where I was not willing to do it. He was like, I got you girl. (laughs) You don't want to do this. I've got you sweet girl. Come home. home. But then the responsibility was on me once the lockdowns were lifted, like now you have to say no. Like mm. God was the one who was like, you're going to learn boundaries because <laughs> I love I mean, you. Like, no, <laughs> I, it's interesting because I have boundaries with people, everyone in my life, except for myself. Mm-hmm. And many of us do, right? Like yeah. we're like, I put boundaries in place. I'm getting healthy. You can't talk to me this way. You can't do this. And then sometimes we have to look in the mirror and say, no, it's you too. Like yeah. you got to put boundaries on yourself. You know where your limits are. And sometimes we can be our worst enemy. That's yeah. so good. 
But I think yeah. what helps with that is something you mentioned earlier. You said, mm-hmm. I would need to be on the offense, not the defense. Would you That's dig right. into that a little more? I will dig into that, okay? I want to live a life on the offense, not the defense. The first 25 years of my life, I think I was just responding. And oftentimes, I mean, like when we're as kids, we're just surviving mm-hmm. our sweet little souls, right? Like we're just doing the best that we can. And so we are living a life on the defense where we're just responding to trauma, responding to pain, responding to brokenness, and doing the best that we can. There comes a shift where it's like, okay, if I am going to live a stable life, I've got to learn how to get ahead of all the things that have defined me for so many years. Mm. And I think that naturally happens around 25 and you start floating into those thirties and you're like, okay, Oh, I don't like this. That actually Mm -hmm. makes me feel this way. I can't do this anymore. Those are not the type of relationships that I need. These are the red flags that I'm seeing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so Living a life on the offense for me has been that posture. It's how Mm -hmm. can I get ahead of this? But it's also been the practical as well. It has been what fills me up, asking Mm -hmm. myself the question, what actually fills me up? And for me, it's nature. That's a big thing for me. I need to get outside. Sis cannot be up inside. Okay. During the pandemic, I (laughs) got a bike. I was like, we got to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, okay, well, how often do I need nature? Okay, every week I need to probably get outside two to three times. Mm. I need to go do something active. I need to move my body. I need to experience God's nature. That walks with the kids. What is it? And the replenishment cycle looks like making sure that I do that every two, three days a week. It's also getting my hair done. That's just my stilo. Like I want these edges to be laid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be cute a little bit. Yeah. That looks like me going and staying consistent with it. It also looks like me worshiping. Like Mm. I can't sing that well if we're just going to be 100% real. But I like to worship. Like I like to belt out songs and make my husband so irritated that he's like, please, you don't actually know the lyrics. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. God hears me. I'm a freestyler, you know? Mm. Uh And so what does it look like for me to make sure that I am continually worshiping two, three times a week? It's a replenishment cycle. It's keeping myself filled up. Because I know my life is ratchet and I know I have an enemy mm. and I know I have a, a daughter with sensory processing and ADHD and ODD mm. and general anxiety. And so our weeks are going to look a little crazy. And yeah. so I need to be certain that I have something in the reserve. So yeah, yeah. offense, yeah. not defense, baby. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, let's get real for a second. Have you ever just looked around at your life and thought, is this really all that there is? I know I have. But what if God actually agrees with us? Plus One Parents has released a brand new Bible study experience called Made for More, 30 Days of Discovering God's Redemption in Your Disappointment. In this study, you'll have a look at the scriptures and what they tell us about where God is in our disappointment, what He is doing to draw near to us even when we have doubt, and exactly what He is doing to redeem every last piece of our stories, even the mistakes. Made for More is now available, and it's part of the Plus One Parents Collective all-access membership level, which you'll find a link to down in the show notes. What you see around you in life right now is not all that there is. You were made for more. Some of what you share in the book, too, though, is that this healing journey also, though, simultaneously was the building of a relationship with God in a new Mm. way that was just completely different. Um, In it, you talk about a prayer service that you went to really early on um, and an experience that you had that just kind of, it seemed like that was a point that shifted some of this for you. So I wanted to know if you would talk a little bit about that and just what God was drawing you into in Mm. this as well. 
Yeah, I think that was the year that I became a follower, not a fan of Jesus. Mm. The truth is I've been saved for a long time. I mean, not a long time, like four years. I got saved at 21. I was a youth pastor. I was living my best life. But I was just a fan of God, right? Like I was just bopping around, going to church on Sunday with no real Christian life Monday through Saturday. Yeah. And so I remember when I felt the tug to to really change my lifestyle to, I mean, I had received salvation, but now it was about sanctification. It's how can mm-hmm. I clean this, this mess on up? Yeah. And um, I started pleading to God and saying, you got to be more real. Like, I want you to be more present in my life. I don't just want a Sunday, God. I want a Monday through Saturday, God. I want to feel you so close. And I got invited to this service. It was like this prophetic miracle service. It was so weird in my mind. So I literally walked in. I sat all the way in the back of the service. And I was like, I'm going to sit in the chairs that aren't even a row. It's like the ones up against a wall. So no one will notice me. And so the pastor at the time there at the service was like, all right, guys, we're going to do an interactive moment where you're going to pair up with somebody and like tell them what you feel God's saying to you. And I was like, what are you even talking about? Ma'am, no, ma'am, I'm not doing this. But I was like, surely no one's going to notice me because I'm in the back in the seats against the wall. This man comes up to me. Okay. Notices me. And he's like, ladies first. I'm like, sir. Oh my gosh. Okay. I don't know what you want me to say. I was like, uh, well, I made it up. I was like, the Lord is so proud of you. That's it. <laughs> right. I'm like this, this poor man is like, why'd I get paired up with this girl? Well, then he says to me, you should read the Psalm of your birth year. And I was like 91. And he was like, yep, mm. you should go home and you should read it. I go home. I read Psalm 91. It means nothing to me. I literally, <laughs> I said, okay, this man had no power at all. Well, afterwards I had gone to a spiritual encounter. Cause again, I was like super like serious about like, no Lord, like you need to show up. I need to like hear something from you. I've been divorced. I have been stripped of everything in my life. I'm super broke. I'm with this little girl. I'm a single mom. Like you gonna have to show up play it. Okay. Yeah. I go to the spiritual encounter. The whole thing about it is that we spend time with God and we start to access our biggest lie. And when I asked the Lord in quiet time, what my biggest lie was, it was that I was unprotected. Because for so long, I think I was like, where were you, God? Where were you when my mom got sick and almost died? Where were you when family members sexually manipulated me? Where were you when I lost my virginity at 13? Where were you at? And so I had developed consciously, and I think unconsciously too, this idea that it's only me. Mm -hmm. Like, I've got to protect myself. I'm unsafe in this world. And I've got to protect myself. And I remember going home after that spiritual encounter and asking the Lord, I I started to hear from him and I started to see visions of myself like in this field and there was like lions coming after me and this just played in my head over and over again for weeks. And I go home and I said, Lord, what scripture do you have for me today? And he said, Psalm 91. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, no, no. I already read that one. Mm -hmm. If you don't remember correctly, Um, (laughs) that man told me that and it don't mean nothing to me. And I go back to it. I read the message version and it says that um, you who sit down in the shadows, you are perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. That lions will come after you and snakes will come after you, but no harm will even graze you because I'm sending angels to protect you and you are perfectly safe. And I, I, get, I literally get the chills. I've told the story so many times, but it was the first time that I feel like God had come for me. Mm. Like he'd come for me. And the truth is, it wasn't the first time. Yeah, It was the first time I was willing to hear him. Yeah, I was serious about hearing from my creator. 
And he was like, look, I've been here all along protecting you. Mm. And it changed my life. That moment, I was like, okay, I'm a follower. Ready, little ratchet, but I'm going to clean it all up. I'm not a fan anymore. I'm a follower of Jesus. And it changed my life. What I love about this, Tony, is the fact that it was often some dissatisfaction or some frustration that would bring Mm. you to ask these questions of God, right? (laughs) You know, like a lot of times I think we feel like, you know, doubt or any of those things just is not what God wants to deal with. And Mm. I think that that doubt brings us into a place where we're ready to ask the real questions. We're ready to just say like, all right, let's put this all out here. You know, like what else is there? Because this ain't it, you know. Um, (laughs) Ain't it, honey. It ain't. (laughs) It's amazing, though, because the day I was reading through your book, uh, Mm. because I read it. Like I could not put it down <laughs> with the day I was reading your book. I actually got four prompts that day to read Psalm 91. Yours was what? one, just one. I got four that day. And the next day oh had a prayer service that I went to and had the same thing where I was in the presence of the Lord and the woman who was facil- facilitating for me was asking me what I was feeling. And I said, I'm feeling unsafe. And this is a thing that keeps coming back over and over and over again, feeling unsafe, feeling unsafe, you know? And God helped me to understand though, that when we don't understand who he is, when we have that question Mm. of who are you, and we'll still have that, we won't, he's full, he's not, we can never fully know him on this side, right? So we'll still Mm. always have the question of who are you, who are you? That even in, in our, you know, maturity, we still have more room to go in growing and, and all that. But that, that question of who are you, then is going to have us also misunderstand who am I? So then I'm going to feel insecure. Mm. I'm going to have all these Mm. lies, these things that I'm dealing with, you know, but it was having the Lord in that prayer service. Tell me, tell him, tell me, where did I feel that way? The first time, why did I feel that way? Yes. Show me where he was in that him. Tell me what the lies are that I'm believing him. Tell me what he thinks of me instead. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, when we're we're digging through past stuff or these memories mm-hmm. or flashbacks or whatever, it's like, it feels like it just takes all the air out of us, all the wind out of our sails. Yeah. But when we do get quiet with God, He wants us to know so many things, but He also just, He's the one who brings that courage, right? He's the mm-hmm. one who just brings that, that daring, that, mm-hmm. all right, I do want to ask you some more stuff. Like, I do want to know, you know? And He never leaves us. Mm. untouched you know he he never mm. leaves us with less than we came with you know he's always yeah. giving us new things and just even things that we i mean i could and i think what's great about your book is that you do talk about counseling has its role and it's important yeah. and it's helpful yeah. um but that also that it dovetails with the spiritual and 100%. that how much we do need that though, because the Lord will give us back things that we didn't even think to ask for, you know? Yeah. And so just putting us in line though. And I love that you said like, I didn't know what this service was all about. Like, I thought this was going to be weird. Because <laughs> <Not weird. laughs> I've been in those situations before. Yeah. Um, but it is being able to try these things and to mm-hmm. test you know, to yeah. to test really what it is we're dealing with. Because yeah, there are some folks that are using this in manipulative and abusive ways, right? right but there are ways that we can connect with God through practices that we may not even really have chosen for ourselves. Yeah. And then just be really surprised by mm-hmm. what he wants to give us to like 
keep us moving through this thing. Oh, that's so good. I love one of the things that you just said was like, God doesn't want us to be untouched. And I was um, in Durango, Colorado, which is like literally mountains, beauty, it's everywhere. And I looked at, um, I just looked out on the horizon and I was just crying. I was all weepy because again, nature makes me so weepy. Mm, me too. <laughs> and, I, and I realized I was like, all of this has been untouched by man, mm. like perfectly created by our creator. Mm. And I was like, where are the parts of my heart that should be untouched by man, but perfectly created by God? How can I start paying attention to those parts? How can I make sure to protect them mm. like the mountains are protected and the trees and the flowers? Like there are some things that do not and cannot be un cannot be touched by man, mm. that they should be perfectly untouched and then just kept for the creator. And wow. I mean, this was just last week, but it just like opened mm. my heart and my mind so much. I'm like, what are the parts of my soul that just need to be tended to by God only? Yeah. But it is not bay, right? Like trying to make my boo thing, my Holy Spirit, but it's mm. just God. Because when you look out on the horizons and, and everybody doesn't have access to mountains, but we all have access to a sunrise and a sunset. Mm -hmm. Like think about that beauty and think about how it's been untouched by man. Mm. I Ugh. love that thought. Wow. I know. That's so great. <laughs> you know, it reminds me though, what you were saying as far as like, Things though that are untouched by God, you know, that are for, or that are only touched by God, that they are for mm. Him. I think that that's a perspective that is newer to me, and yeah, partially because, like, I had met my ex-husband when I was seventeen. I got divorced mm. around thirty-five. That's mm. a huge chunk of my adult life, and then though, feeling you know, intense loneliness, intense yeah. wanting to have companionship, oh, yeah, sure. which is not a wrong thing, but sure. knowing all the while that that can't be the end all be all because even the most wonderful gift and you have, you are now married, you know, married and now. having mm -hmm. this wonderful gift that yeah. it is still temporal, you know, and that there are things that God will <laughs> give us that the hard way. <laughs> things <laughs> that God will give us through those things, but they cannot still be the end all be all. Right. And so there's this uh, scripture that talks about um, in Isaiah about the Lord being your husband. And I know that mm. there were some times where I kind of bristled at that, that it was like, well, but I'd like an actual husband as well. I mean, if you can come down in the flesh form, I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. Okay. But um, in this season, though, of, of the Lord pulling me aside and separating mm. me and allowing for that healing to take root for me to mm. learn how to trust him and to, and I'm still learning right like yeah. but to finally hear that scripture again and feel like yes yes I get mm. that and that if the Lord would want to have yeah. a physical 100%. human being husband that is wonderful yeah, that you could yeah. have not one replace the other I suppose yeah. um yeah. and I think that's so powerful what you're saying though because even you know, if this is a, a concern of a woman who's listening, that even in a remarriage, there's still always mm. a part of you that is set apart for God. Listen, and I and I can say that because I have the authority to say it because mm -hmm. I've done it wrong. Mm. My sweet, poor second husband. I'm just going to say that like that. When I came into the relationship, he was my savior. Mm. I was like, yes. 
God did it. This man has come to save me and make me not a single mom anymore. Mm. He's going to take care of me. It's going to be amazing. And it was horrific. Mm. Our first two to three years of marriage was horrible because I had put him in the place of God. Mm. And, and that's, I mean, it's not even to condemn younger little 26 year old Tony, but it's to say that, and hopefully inspire someone to know that there was still some work I had to do with myself. I had to become a more whole person, even in this new marriage. And I made the mistake of rushing into it Mm. and making this man my savior. And it crushed him. I mean, gosh, the expectations I had on him to fulfill what my ex-husband couldn't fulfill, Mm -hmm. the abuse, restoration from the abuse I had endured. I mean, it was just so bad to be a new father. He was like, oh, okay, I'm trying. I'm like a bonus dad, but I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Um, And then not to mention all the drama and the past from my ex-husband. I mean, it was horrible. And thankfully, God spared us, honestly, Mm -hmm. because again, we should have probably waited to get married. Mm. Um, but what I came out on the other side knowing is the authority to say, your husband, your new husband cannot make you whole. That is not their place. It will never be. Yeah. A new marriage, a new relationship, a new dating situation it is not your answer. Yeah. 110%. And I had to learn that the very hard and excruciating way. And the truth is, I hurt people in the past. Mm. I hurt my, I hurt my, um, and in the process, I hurt my husband. I mean, it took such a toll on his heart because he was trying to help me heal, yeah. trying to be a husband. And I didn't have enough to give him as a wife. Mm. Um, so I hope that just like, I don't know, kindly warn somebody out there yeah. that <laughs> it ain't the answer, sis. Yeah. But then also that God is an intimate God. That mm. sounds so weird, but he will lavish you. Mm. make you feel beautiful he's not just father daddy god like don't get it twisted here like we're talking about an omniscient god an omnipresent god who um just expands time space ability um nurturing he's not just a father he's a mother he's a lover he is Mm -hmm. everything he's all things to all men and so don't get it twisted god can lavish you and make you feel like the beautiful woman that you are yeah. Truly. Yeah. You know, and I think this is so I love all the words you just said there though, mother, father, lover, like they're all in there because yeah. I think um even just understanding, you know, the Trinity, that we actually mm-hmm. can have somewhat of a different relationship with Maybe God the Father, will. with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, you know, yeah. and through this healing journey, God's given me a view to what each of those looks like. And yeah. So realizing, you know, okay, Lord, mm. like I'd really like a hug right now. Like I'd love some people, somebody to just show up. <laughs> like I just, you know, you you Lord, feel Lord. the disconnect of the physical mm. world and the spiritual world. But but in that, in in placing that in God's hands, and I think some of this is the you know that courage again to be broken and saying, yeah. but this is hurting me. This is what I need. But then allowing yourself to let God show you how he's going to speak into that area of your life or address that area of your life. Because in this, you know, in me asking like, Lord, I want to know Jesus more. Like I know Holy Spirit. I know the Father. But I want to know Jesus. Like it was where I began to have visions of me as a child, like 
sitting on a picnic blanket, you know, with Jesus, but, but being embraced and nurtured, you know, and we do have stories in the Bible of Jesus and children, you know, Jesus and women, Jesus, I mean, Jesus walking amongst the earth, we can imagine what this was like. Right. And so then to have this, these visions of, of Jesus smiling at me, you know, and of just delighting in me, it, it was where I could start to capture what you're talking about. Mm, exactly. Yeah. You know, where yeah. I could recognize like, wow, this is actually a vision. I can go back to this place whenever mm. I want to. And I can experience that sensation in my Holy Spirit imagination yeah. of being actually physically present, though mm. in the body, you know, it's, yeah. it's a different experience, right? So and, good. but I think again, you know, I had to be willing though in my healing journey to let go of that desire for a physical human to be the only way that those needs could be met mm. or for that to be, you know, if, if that is the way that the rest of my story is for the rest of my life, that for, yeah. it took me many, many years to say, I'll do what you want because mm. I want what you want, because I love you. And because I know you love me, but, yeah. but it has been many, many years of, questioning and doubting and arguing mm. and complaining and lamenting and all of the things mm. and allowing though him to prove himself time and time again. Mm. And that's the thing about our God is that he's not asking for this totally blind trust, this totally blind faith. He is the one who's nurturing us yeah. in that and bringing that forth in the way that only he knows how to. Yeah. I, I love I first of all, I love all that. I love that you bring up the supernatural because I just think that we, because of what we experience as humans, we think that it's enough. Like, here's mm. the deal the natural is not enough for me. Mm. I need the supernatural. Yeah. Like, I need a little something extra yep. than what this raggedy stuff we have here on earth. Mm-hmm. And, but, but you don't know you need it until you access it. Mm. I didn't know I needed it until God literally spoke to me through Psalm 91, through all these series of events. Mm -hmm. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, Mm -hmm. you mean to tell me that God can speak to me through this man, then connected to this spiritual encounter that I went to, connected to this vision I had for myself, and and literally speak truth to the very core lie that I've been battling all my life that the enemy had used yeah. to hold me back from so many precious things. Mm. You no, know, I need the supernatural. Like yeah. there ain't, I'm not trying to do nothing else. But also at the same time, you know, in the book, I talk about this idea of not just being a holy person, but also being a whole person. I believe mm. God wants us to be both. And you said something earlier about like even the parts of us, like the little girls of us that are struggling with things like being able to start to access those points and mm. say, what is this that shows up today in 31 yeah. year old Tony? Yeah. That's really from eight year old Tony that I need to tend to and invite Jesus into. Mm. And Dr. Allison Cook, I just interviewed her on my podcast. She yeah. has this book about, it's called Boundaries for Your Soul. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it is so incredible. She uses this, um, this method called internal family systems. And she talks about like our internal, the internal parts of our souls that have been broken mm-hmm. over time. And what mm-hmm. we usually do is just say, Oh no, that's in my past. Mm-hmm. I'm going to numb that. I'm going to push that to the side. It's all good. That happened to me when I was seven. That happened to me when I was 12. And what she's inviting us into is to say, 
No, that's still a very real part of you that needs healing and tending to. And if you could just pay attention to it for just a little while mm-hmm. and invite Jesus into that space, the way he or she shows up, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it could radically change your life. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and it's it's totally that way for me. Little wow. Tony pops up all the time in so many different ways. Yeah. Little yeah. Tony combing her mom's hair, tending to her mom. My mom was really sick growing up trying to take care of other people and feeling inadequate and being nervous that I'm not going to be enough. I mean, that's from like eight-year-old Tony, 10-year-old Tony who was caring for her mom and was so afraid that it wouldn't be enough and she would die. Like Mm -hmm. there's this internal fear that says, if I don't care for people, they're going to die. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know how much of a people pleaser Mm -hmm. that makes me into. Yeah. And if I don't access that part of me and I don't heal that part of me, and I'm going to just be overcompensating all over the place, burning my little self off, looking crazy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's good. I love that picture too, what you're talking about, you know, with little Tony, because mm. it, I think that's the easiest way for us to start having compassion for ourselves. You know, we look mm. at some of trauma is things that are done to us and things that we can't right. control. And then some yeah. of the trying to survive though, are mm. things that we do that end up hurting ourselves further. Mm. And some of of the healing and the growth is starting to turn love to yourself rather than chasing things that are destructive. Mm. And that can be really hard looking at just your yeah. adult self and going like, yeah. oh, why can't I get this together? I can't what believe I'm doing this on? again. Like, you know? come on. Yeah. 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 That's but so good. Being able, and I just hear this common theme over and over and over again, many people saying this, of being able to go back to yourself as a child though. Mm. Yep. How easy it is for you to have compassion for her. You know? Oh, yeah. Little girl, little Tony. Yeah. Yeah. You are still trying to make your dad proud. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Your earthly dad is okay. Your heavenly father is proud of you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's just what she needed to hear. Yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, that's God. so good, Tony. I know. <laughs> I know. Tony, would you talk about, you know, when it comes to the the courage to step through some of these things in the mm. past, though, would you talk about the role of relationships? You know, you mentioned a little oh, bit yeah. about your relationship with Sam, um, mm. but also, you know, whether that was counselors or church or, you know, just how how the role of being in community with people um, yeah. helped you also to step through some of these things. Yeah, that's so great. Here's the deal. I talk about this in the book and the book is both like, it's a little bit of story, but it's a lot of teaching and it's a lot of practical. So Mm -hmm. every other chapter kind of flips back and forth from like, here's like a concept, here's how you do it type thing. And in there, I talk about community. I talk about transitioning toxic community, but I also talk about the idea that even Jesus had circles, right? Like he had these layers and Mm -hmm. levels of circles in his life and how important it is for us today to start to identify who our circles are. And, um, you know, the most intimate circle is not a circle at all. It's you and Jesus. Like ain't nobody else can get in there at all. You and the Lord. But then outside of that, even Jesus had the three disciples that he was really close to, that he invited into those intimate spaces. And beyond that, the other disciples on the next level was like, you know, Mary and Martha and some of the masses. And it just keeps growing and growing. And I think Jesus modeled that for us because he knew that our hearts are so sacred and so tender, whether we like it or not. And we need safe people to be around us. Mm-hmm. Our community can make or break us, period. Yeah. If you have toxic people around you, I've always said this, like you can't heal in the place and with the people that broke you in the first place. Okay. 
And many of us know exactly what that looked like going back to an ex. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, maybe he, no, no he hasn't changed. Okay, mm-hmm. you need to stop going back. You keep hurting yourself over and over again. He hasn't found real healing and, and restoration. And so it, it's interesting because all of this I write from experience. It's not like me trying to teach something I don't have the authority to speak on. But yeah. I remember when I had this massive turnover of community, I felt so incredibly alone what I realized God was doing was pruning some of the toxic community I had from that place. He brought a new community, but I prayed for it. I remember mm-hmm. as a 27 year old being like, Lord, can you send me some friends? And honestly, it's so awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me so insecure. It's like, I'm a grown freaking woman. Okay. And I am asking the Lord for friends. But when I prayed for the Lord for friends, I was like, friends who understand mm-hmm. friends who have been through what I've been through friends who love you and can point me back to you. And oh my gosh, he helped me build this incredible community. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. I have women that have been divorced, women honestly that are processing through divorce right now, women that are single, but just love Jesus with all their heart. All these beautiful souls, this diverse group from ages to where they are with family, kids, no kids, single, not. Uh, it's really, really beautiful. And it's changed the game for me. Mm-hmm. We heal in community. Oftentimes we're not, incredibly afraid to go through something painful, to grieve something that we've lost. What we're really afraid of is that we would have to grieve and be in pain by ourselves. When we get into community and someone can look us in the eye and say, we're going to be okay. That's different. Mm -hmm. We're going to be okay. You're not suffering alone. You're not experiencing this pain alone. You're not having to grieve alone, but we are going to be okay because I am with you and I'm not leaving the room. Yeah. We need people that'll say that to us. Yeah. I'm not leaving the room. No matter how messy it gets. The, I mean, Brene Brown even says it, you know, we are imperfect and we're wired for struggle, but we're still worthy of love and belonging. Mm. Find that community. And if the community that you got ain't it, transition them suckers out to another space, put some boundaries up and pray for the Lord to fill these levels for you. Yeah. 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 You know, and I had a very similar experience. I was just like, Lord, I need some people. You know what? <laughs> you know, divorce, and it's like, I mean, it just ravages your community when you get divorced. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I had just moved across the country. So like I was in a brand mm-hmm. new place. I had no people in my like direct vicinity at all. Mm-hmm. And it, and it did take a, a little bit of time. Um, but God led me into a place where I wouldn't have picked for myself. But I think again, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of just crying out to God and being desperate Mm. and then being open to what he's going to do because he brought me into a place that I wouldn't have picked for myself. But yet it was exactly like what you're talking about, where it was people though who had walked this journey already and could tell me, it's not always going to be like this. You are going to be okay. Okay. (laughs) And people that I was like, okay, I'm willing to believe you because I got nothing else else to believe. Okay. (laughs) You better get better. Good boy. That's right. But Tony, for a woman though, who um, let's say that there's a woman who is, you know, has has been on a healing journey for a little while, has made some progress and, mm. you know, she's starting to feel that redemption in the mm. sense that she may also then want to turn around and help others, you know, that she yeah. may be in a community and she wants to serve in a way that lets mm. women who are in these situations know these same things we're talking about, that they're not alone. Um, Mm. What advice would you give to someone who is, you know, on that healing journey as we all are, um, but does want to, to reach back and help out someone else? Yeah, I think this is really painful for people to hear, especially when they're in the middle of pain. 
But the truth is when you can look someone in the eye and say, hope rises from the dirt, I know because it rose for me. It gives complete purpose and redemption to what you've been through. It sucks to hear that, like yeah. when you're in the middle of it, right? Like, oh, girl, the like, I just wanted turn to end to a testimony, girl. This mess is going to be a miracle. It's like, as a matter of fact, I don't want any more testimonies. Okay, yeah. Lord, I want the soft life. Okay, mm-hmm. but when you have the opportunity to do it, it changes you. I talk. This is a, a couple of last chapters of the book. It's about being in the valleys with other women but not leaving them there. If I would not have built my organization, Broken Crayon Still Color, if I would have never written a book, which I literally swore up and down, I would never write a book. And I, because I remember people saying, oh my gosh, you're going to write a book about this one day. I'm like, first of all, I just want to get through this one day. Okay, that's all I need to do. I just want to be redeemed. I want to live a simple life with my daughter. Let it be over. Well, on the other side of it, God, it changed me. It changed me to look a woman in the eye and say, I promise it gets better. I have the authority to do that now. Mm-hmm. It's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to keep telling women, you can heal. You have the capacity to heal. You have the ability to heal. Hope is pumping through your veins. You can do this and you don't have to do it alone because where your strength runs out, God's strength begins. And trust me, in a world that says we have to be perfect to be used, God's actually saying, I want to use you right in the middle of your mess. Mm -hmm. I actually do my best work in the broken places. Like I want to, I just, it, it makes me, it just gives me life. It gives me oxygen. It's my oxygen. And I just want to tell somebody out there that you don't even have to hope for that right now. Mm. You can just sit in the ratchetness that is your life right now, the crazy, sucky places. And in the moments where you're kind of feeling good, you can hope that everything that you've been through will be used for something really great. You ain't got to all the time. Yeah. But you can because it's true. It's so true. Mm. There's a word you've said several times in this conversation, and it's authority. Oh, And that is something I am stepping freshly into of understanding that mm-hmm. through these things that happen to us or, you know, these broken things that we have to go through on this side of mm-hmm. eternity, God is removing us, though, from the kingdom of mm-hmm. darkness, that he is transferring us to the kingdom of light, that we can start to experience some Mm. of that victory that Jesus Mm. has already won for us in this life. And that means having authority over the things that tried to break Mm. us is having authority over the devil and saying, Mm. not me and not my kids. Mm. And I'm just so grateful for you stepping into that. And especially Mm. in this conversation, I'm just feeling it like in my body because Mm. that is, it's power. And it's Mm. the thing that even if we don't feel it today, that God promises us and that we can look forward to of walking yeah. in that victory. Yeah. And it, but it's one broken step at a time. Yeah. Tony, there at the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, mm. what would it be? Ooh, I'm thinking back to, mm, this makes me all weepy. I just cried all throughout this interview. This brings me back to um, when I first moved out of our house with my ex-husband and I moved into a small apartment with another single mom. And I had left 
with so much despair. I didn't even have my daughter's crib. I just, we had like a little pack and play. Um, I think in that moment I needed to hear that, um, even though the decision to leave was hard, that the best you can is good enough. Um, I'm on the other side of it by goodness gracious, seven years. Um, and I look at my daughter and I'm like the best that I could when she was one gave her all of this. I would have never imagined. I would have never imagined that the extremely hard decisions I made then and how broken our life was, electricity being cut off, living with someone else, not having anything, not even a crib for her to sleep in um, was enough to give her so much more, not even materialistic, but like peace and joy. Mm. The best you have right now is good enough for your babies. It really is. I needed to hear that. Thank you, Tony. That was beautiful. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Tony, would you um, tell listeners about your new book and your resources and how they can follow you? Absolutely. It is Tony J. Collier on everything and all the things. T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R. Instagram, my books um, on my site, all the things. It's just called Brave Enough to be Broken. And it's just this, it's kind of what we did for the last 45 minutes. Like yeah. it's just saying <laughs> it just be sucking sometimes and <laughs> God's gonna do great things and mm-hmm. we can be absolutely brave for ourselves. But even if we don't have it for ourselves, we can do it for our babies mm-hmm. and just do the best that we can. And um I hope it it blesses you. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find the book and find you. But thanks so much again for sitting down with me. It was so good to be with you. Absolutely. So good. So good. If you'd like to have a listen to my previous conversation with Tony, check out episode 77, Beyond Broken, The Power of God in Your Comeback and How to Live from More with Tony Collier. Also, you might like to listen to episode 134, Take Back Your Life, The Spiritual Warfare of Single Motherhood with Jennifer Maggio. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.